Hallelujah. Doesn't it sound good to be able to say and to be able to sing? Why? Because our Lord has risen. That is what we are here to celebrate today. It's what we are here to celebrate on this earth every single day of our lives. I thought it was funny when Pastor Allen gave me the message for today, and he gave me the theme is coming over as living as a stranger here, uh, as I don't have it often the opportunity to come over and be with you. But I appreciate it today as you and I have time together to look at these three unique texts. Uh, Before we intertwine them together this morning, uh, Pastor Allen is going over to our Mountain View campus to share a little bit about uh, our Shea campus and about our day school, and I wanted to come over and share just a little bit with you about our Mountain View campus and about our preschool. Uh, We are one in the same, even if we are separated by such a small distance, we have the exact same mission in common, to be able to lead people to follow Jesus. It's the same mission that you have as an individual who is a member of our church. So I thought this morning maybe I could just share a couple of numbers with you that I thought were interesting as I looked over some of our different statistics for this past week. The first one I wanted to share with you is the number 86. 86 is the number of people we have right now serving in a specific ongoing role, a volunteer role, at Mountain View. It's pretty good. 86 people, usually on a weekly basis, of our elders, of people helping out in the band, of people running audiovisual, of people serving as greeters, as ushers, people putting out our hospitality items, you name it. Next number I have is 16. I love this one. 16 is the number of baptisms we have had on our Mountain View campus so far this calendar year since January 1st. It doesn't count uh, the many that we've also had on our Shea campus. 16, that is nearly one a week. That is a a really good goal for us to be able to shoot for. Uh, What about in our preschool? Uh, 283. That's the number of spots that we have right now of children who attend our preschool enrolled today. Uh, right now, as you and I speak, 283 children that we have the opportunity of sharing Christ with on a weekly basis. 220. That was the number of kids that we had in our Sunday school program on Palm Sunday. That was crazy, but it was a great celebration of our Lord and opening of Holy Week for each one of those little ones. I couldn't put a number on the final uh, figure. Uh, The final figure will be the number of individuals who greet you in heaven on the final day uh, because of your support of that campus, of that church, of that preschool, of every single one of those teachers, of those volunteers, of myself. And so this morning, I thank every single one of you for that from my heart, uh, of the endeavors that are being made there, of the numbers that are being posted up for our Lord. Last week, we did begin this new series It is focused on taking us from failure to faithfulness. It's a fantastic idea. Every week we're going to look at a different piece of scripture which highlights the life of Peter in different ways and sees how God used him to be able to accomplish that. Just as God calls every single one of us here today to that same endeavor, to be able to take us from failure to faithfulness, not because of what we're doing, but because of the works that God is doing through us. You know, the three texts that we have for today have a lot of different numbers that are listed inside of them as well. Now, one of the first numbers I heard was that number two. It's the number of disciples we hear about that are on that road to Emmaus 
that see that risen Christ. And we hear about the 11 plus others that assemble together in Jerusalem. And they hear that testimony. It is true, the Lord has risen. He has appeared to Peter. What about the number 3,000? Think about that. 3,000, the number of people that hear Peter's sermon, that believe and that are baptized on a single day. Number one, the number of saviors that are crucified for every one of those individuals, and for me and for you. What powerful numbers we have in our word that is preached to us today. If you haven't heard me say it uh, before, hear me say it now. This word of the Lord is powerful. Every single week that we come together and hear these texts, uh, it is living, it is active within our lives. And look how these three texts really intertwine together today. How the Lord takes people and he changes them from the inside out. We hear it in the disciples' own statements this morning. From Luke chapter 24, verse 32 again. It says, They asked each other, Were our hearts not burning within us while he talked to us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? Have you ever felt that before? When you're in God's word, when you hear it from him, that your heart is burning because he is calling to us. He alters us at times even in our own secure insecurity. Maybe it's times when we are not in control. Maybe it's times when we don't know what the future may hold. But even in those times, God still uses his word to burn within us, to be able to push us onto something else, to be able to take us from being just a failure to being faithful. In our gospel text, when those two disciples encountered that one risen Lord, it's interesting as it says that they do not uh, recognize Jesus. It actually says that they are kept from recognizing Christ. Jesus asked them some different questions, and it says the disciples stand with their faces downcast. They're not so sure about who this stranger is, about the questions that he is asking. It actually says that the disciples say, well, we hoped, we hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem all of Israel, this great prophet, almost as if they are slightly giving up on the Lord's promises. One of them even mentions the time that has gone by. It's already been three days since he died. Again, almost giving up on what he has said. Have you ever been there before? It's easy for us to trust in God when we know that he's near, isn't it? It's easy for us to trust in God when we don't have any worries, when they're non-existent. It's simple for us to trust in God when struggles are extinct. But what about when God doesn't show himself in those times of trouble? When something has happened and days have gone by and we've been waiting for an answer, maybe weeks, maybe months, maybe years, and we just haven't seen the Lord answer, at least in the way that we want him to answer. You know, on the road to Emmaus, as those disciples are kept from seeing Jesus, it isn't until they finally recognize him, until they are able to look back and say, he was with us there. He was with us there every step of the way, even as he challenged us, even as he questioned us, right there with us. Have you ever been in that place before? 
where we're able to finally look back and say, God was with me during those tough times. God was with me even though I didn't see him or didn't recognize him in that place. God was with me during all those times. I just needed some form of direction. This morning in our text, as we move from our gospel lesson to that text of 1 Peter, we are called out as Christians to leave those doubts behind. To get rid of those things and throw them off. To see who we truly are. To see who we truly belong to and where our hope and trust is to be put. This is a strong call in our text for today. This doesn't beat around the bush and say, well, Jesus loved you and you know you guys are done and can get out of here today. It calls us out to be able to act and to be strong, to see how the Spirit moves through us. Look how this opens in 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 13 and 14. It says, Therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. God calls us out today in all things, he says, to set our hopes on the coming Christ. What does that look like? In all things, to set our hopes on Christ's coming to us. Do we do that in our schedules? Do we do that with our resources? Do we do that with our time? Do we do that with our families? In all things, set our folks our focus on the hopes of the coming Christ. It would be easy for us in this world to examine the promises that Christ made. After all, these were 2,000 years ago, and think to ourselves, these are too old. This has been too long. How much longer can we wait for the Lord to be able to come? But he says, do not be ignorant. None of us can, be, none of us can have that claim of ignorance in, in any way. Even in the world, our claim of ignorance doesn't work. Today after church, I can't uh, run through stop signs. And when I finally get pulled over, tell the police officer that I didn't know that the stop sign meant that I really had to stop. I was ignorant to that. Do you think he would let me go? I'm not that handsome. What would it look like if in the world that we said in all things that we were just ignorant of the laws. We wouldn't get by with that. Do you think if that doesn't hold up within our own world that that will hold up with God's law? That when God has told us to stop a certain behavior, when God has told us to stop a certain activity, that we can just say to him on the final day, I didn't know, Lord. I was ignorant to those things. God holds us to very high standards. Standards continue. Look at verses 15 and 16 of 1 Peter. It says, But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy again in all you do. For it is written, Be holy because I am holy. What a high set of standards indeed. To be holy as Christ himself is holy? That's tough for us as sinners. 
we fail. It's because of our faults that Jesus had to face the cross, because of our sin, because of our failures. And we are correct in that. Each one of us has a part in the crucifixion of the Messiah. That's the message that Peter preaches in his sermon to the people that day, to those 3,000 that hear and then respond. Did you see their reaction in the text as he preaches that? This is the Lord that you crucified. Look at the scripture from uh, Acts chapter 2, verse 37. It says, When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Repent and be baptized, is what Peter offers them. Repent and be baptized. I hope all of us in here today, for the most part, are uh, baptized. If you are not and have questions about baptism, uh, stop myself or Pastor John after the service. There's no reason why every single one of us in here today should not receive the gifts that God gives to us in baptism. Also with that, of being able to accept that gift comes along that element of repentance. Do we stop and take time to repent? To be able to do what we are called to do, to move from just being a failure to moving to faithfulness in the Lord? What are we called to do in this act of being holy? As Christians, we need not guess. God shares with us the answer in this First Peter text. Verse 17, Since you call on a father who judges each person's work impartially, live out your time as foreigners here in reverent fear. Foreigners here, or strangers, in reverent fear. I assume many of us in here uh, either currently have, or at one time have had, a passport. A passport is something that you must have when you visit a foreign land to be inside their country. Passport has a few pieces of vital information. It tells everybody who you are. Uh, it tells everybody what country or nation that you belong to. And number three, it has that picture of you inside. I read the true story of a uh, woman who traveled quite a bit and was preparing to leave on another journey and realized that her passport was just nearly uh, expired. Uh, so close that she had to go directly down to the passport office to be able to get a new one as soon as possible. When she went down, uh, they took a new picture of her and uh, put it inside the new passport. And as she was passing those two things over to fill out her final paperwork, she looked at the clerk and kind of sighed, looking at the picture from 10 years ago and the picture that is current, and said to the clerk, I like the original picture better. The clerk fixed them together and passed her her new passport and simply said to her, uh, trust me, in 10 years from now, you will like this one better. <laughs> Many people uh, tend to dislike their passport photo or even just, I think, photos sometimes in general. We do. We don't like the picture we see of ourselves, the picture that is presented. As much as we try to pose or get the perfect smile there, sometimes it just doesn't stand out right to us. In a passport, it's important that you have a photo that looks like you. 
After all, that is your identification when you're traveling abroad or crossing over to a different region to be able to present your passport to proper authorities. And if you don't look like your picture, you're not going anywhere. Do we look like uh, our picture that God has presented for us in these three different texts today? It's tough. I don't always look like mine. A picture that he presents that we must look like, he says. We heard those previous verses. talks about a picture of one who is hopeful. We're waiting for Christ. In all things we are preparing for Christ. In all things that we do, putting our resources to him. That we are a servant. That we are being able to be that servant leader to all the people who are around us. Everyone that we come in contact with. One who is obedient, again, in all things, not claiming ignorance to God's laws or what he calls us to be, but one who is obedient in all things. And finally, one who is holy, not as the world standards, but holy compared to our Father in heaven, compared to our Savior that comes down to this earth for you and for me. That picture is our passport in this world. It should tell people whose we are, to what kingdom that we truly belong to. We are just strangers here on this planet, but it's a place where God has placed us now to be able to perform work for and with him, to be able to make us faithful in our life so other people can hear of this Savior that has come for each and every one of us. It's hard not to take up residency here. It's easy to succumb to the temptations that are around us and to forego our citizenship in heaven at every turn. Because the picture God has called us to, sometimes maybe we don't like what that looks like. Maybe we don't think it's that glamorous. But the motivation for its creation is. Look at these two final verses with me this morning. They need no explanation. From 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 18 and 19, For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. Precious blood of Christ. This is what those 3,000 converts discover that day in the book of Acts. It's what those 16 individuals who are baptized at Mountain View this year had poured over them in those waters. It's what the two disciples discover and are reminded of as they walk on that road to Emmaus from Jesus. It's the message that's preached every day to 283 preschoolers here at Shepherd. And it's the promise that one God provides to you through his one and only Son, that we are redeemed because of his faithfulness in us. Today we continue to walk with God as he takes us from that failure to faithfulness, knowing of all the things that he has done for me and for you so that we may go out into this world knowing of that love and not keeping it to ourselves, but sharing that. You are a picture of God's faithfulness. You are a picture of God's holiness, that through him, All of us have been redeemed. We've been washed. We've been sanctified. 
And we are truly blessed to be able to have that title, Followers of Christ. Will you pray with me, please? Dear Lord, as we come here uh, today during this time and dwell upon these three texts, uh, we do recognize that it is a a big challenge for us many times to be able to hold to these standards. But Lord, we recognize also that you do not leave us on your own, uh, that you also have come along by our side, even when we can't see you standing and walking with us, to be able to give us that guidance and be able to give us that direction that we so truly need. And so today, Lord, uh, if you seem far off or if you seem nearby, allow us to remember all the factors that you have provided for us, all the ways that you have intervened in our life, all the things that you have promised us. Make our hope bold, Lord, that we will know that you will accomplish your promise through your Son. In his name we pray. Amen.